Well, guys, uh, we had Pastor John Smith here last month in December to share uh, his message was the daddy-daughter dance. And this morning, he's going to focus more on the sons in our lives and us as being the sons of our father. But um, please welcome Pastor John Smith as he comes to share with us this morning. John. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Tom. Delighted to be here. I had the awesome privilege of serving as the pastor of New Life Community Church way out in Long Island, New York for 23 years. And during those 23 years, I didn't have all the answers. I didn't do everything right. Made lots of mistakes as a dad and as a pastor. And so my hope and prayer this morning is that as I share a little bit of our story, the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart with something that you need and that will bless you today. You see a photograph up there of my family. I'm a, I'm a very blessed person. I have a wife who loves me dearly after being married for 43 and a half years. That's no small accomplishment on her part. And you'll see I have three sons. I have two sons, Matt and Andrew, by birth, and one son, Aaron, by marriage. And very blessed to have all those. So this morning, title of the message is Raising Warriors Who Respect Women. We'll get some insight into this from God's Word, Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 9, and then we'll pick up 16 and 20. Son, learn what I teach you and never forget what I tell you to do. Listen to what is wise and try to understand it. Yes, beg for knowledge, plead for insight. Look for it as hard as you would for silver or some hidden treasure. If you do, you will know what it means to fear the Lord and you will succeed in learning about God. It is the Lord who gives wisdom. From him come knowledge and understanding. He provides help and protection for righteous, honest men. He protects those who treat others fairly and guards those who are devoted to him. If you listen to me, you will know what is right, just, and fair. You will know what you should do. And then verse 16, you'll be able to resist any immoral woman who tries to seduce you with her smooth talk. So you must follow the example of good men and live a righteous life. There are six things that I've learned along the way. If you want to raise warriors who respect women, the first is to give your son a big hug and then look him right in the eye and tell him you love him and you believe in him at least once a day. Second thing, encourage your son to pursue his passions. And to do the things that he really loves and makes him come fully alive and then enter into those with him. Third thing is to praise your son privately and publicly as often as possible. So I'd like to introduce you to my son by marriage, Aaron Seberg. If you'd stand, please. This is an awesome man of God 
who is raising my two grandsons to be warriors who respect women. He's a person you might want to invite to come and speak sometime. He's got a great story to tell. And then if my son Andrew would please stand. Andrew is such a blessing in all of our lives. And uh, just as a side note, he's on staff at Cornerstone Church. He's their media producer, and he puts together some amazing videos as they introduce new sermon series and so on. It's incredible what he's able to do. And uh, he might not mention this, but he also has his own, um, that he's just getting started this film production company, and he does a variety of different things, including producing and filming music videos. So far, he's done them for Orlando Rodriguez, a few of them for Tommy Prophet, and then a few for Beacon Light. And the one that was recently released just a few weeks ago by Beacon Light is called Haters, H-A-T-E-R-S. And it was recently nominated for Music Video of the Year by the fifth annual Welcome Christian Music Awards. I wanted to play that so bad this morning, but there isn't time. So just do a little Google search, go on YouTube, Click on haters, I think you'll be quite impressed with what happens. Number four, praise your son for who he is way more than for what he does. Five, help your son find his true identity as a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then number six, acknowledge the fact that you can't do it alone. You need other godly men who are willing to invest and pour into your son's life. When we think of raising our sons to be warriors, <clears throat> I think we often think about going fishing and hunting and teaching them how to shoot and dune jumping and tubing and sports and all kinds of things like that, and Andrew engaged in all those things. I'm gonna focus on Andrew this morning um, because there's just not enough time to deal with all three of my sons, so we're just gonna pick one. <laughs> I'll do the other two another time. But Andrew's real passion was art and music. Andrew is one of those straight-A students, <clears throat> good athlete, good musician, good artist, Great friend to everyone. Everybody loved Andrew. The kids in the neighborhood and their parents. The kids at church and their parents. The kids at school and their parents. Um, his older brother and his friends, his older sister and their friends. And so in 2002, when Andrew was 11, and I had to share with him that God had called me to leave New Life Community Church and go to a new thing that he was gonna show me, Andrew sat in my lap and cried for an hour and a half. It broke my heart. And then the Spirit gave me an idea that I believe was one of the best decisions I've ever made. With a family that didn't want to leave where they'd been for 23 years, trying to figure out what God was leading us to do next, I empowered everyone in my family, Andrew, Matt, Sarah, Aaron, and Sue, and myself, we all had to agree on what we would do next, where we would go, and all that. And every member of my family, including my 11-year-old son, Andrew, had veto right. So he had just as much to say about what I was gonna do next as I did. That was one of the most empowering things 
God ever led me to do and decide for our family. And so as a family, we decided to rent a townhouse in the Forest Hill section of Grand Rapids for four reasons. All of our family on both sides lived in West Michigan. Sarah and Aaron lived in Grand Rapids. Forest Hill Central seemed like a really good school district. And the kids play lacrosse there. That was really important because that was Andrew's favorite sport. So we moved to Grand Rapids in August of 2002, rented a, a townhouse in Ada Place on Cascade Road, started attending um, Keystone Community Church when they were meeting in the auditorium of the Amway headquarters. And Andrew started sixth grade at Forest Hills Central Middle School and then started recruiting kids to play lacrosse, probably 12 or 15 kids that had never even heard of it before. When he was in eighth grade, I followed another prompt from the Holy Spirit. I said, I'm just not that bright, so I've got to wait for God to tell me stuff, then I follow that, and it works out so much better than what I do. So the next one was, Andrew's in eighth grade. I said, Andrew, I'm going to let you choose our church. Wherever you want to go, that'll become home church for our family. Just like that. He says, Ada Bible Church. Because somebody had invited him to youth group and he connected on a deep heart level with Brady Nemers, the youth pastor at Ada Bible, who had previously served at Keystone. And that became our church for the next 10 plus years. So as a young, almost completely self-taught artist, one of the most empowering things we could do as a family was to say, you can set up whatever you want to do, whatever kind of art, right in the living room. We didn't want him off someplace where we'd never see him. Right there, we could see him all the time, and he was always doing all kinds of creative different things in many different types of art. The other thing we let him do is set up his drum kit down in the basement. So some people were, oh, we wouldn't want that noise. I said, do all you want. It was awesome. So there are four people that I want to thank publicly today. I don't think anyone will be here because I, I didn't have time to invite them. But anyway, um, I didn't think of it in advance. You know, it's like, oh, that would have been good to invite them. The first person is actually Pastor Brady Nummers, who is now the senior pastor at um, Keystone Community Church. And I'm going to see, show you a series of lacrosse photos that are on here. I attended almost all of his practices, every one of his games, just trying to be there for him. And one of the things when you play for Forest Hills Central is you really want to beat East. That takes a lot of work, a lot of practice. And so as I was going through, Andrew was very involved in that. But here's the decision that Andrew had to make every single week for four years during high school. Because in the off-season, they would have indoor practice, and every single time it was scheduled, Sunday night, 6 o'clock. I talked to the coaches, tried to get them to change. They wouldn't. That was the time. That's the exact same time of youth group at Ada Bible with Brady Nemers. So every week, Andrew had to make a choice between disappointing his lacrosse coach or gaining points with his lacrosse coach and getting more practice time, which would result in more playing time, or growing spiritually. Every single week for four years, he chose youth group. So if you know any youth pastors, youth workers, encourage them. 
thank them, bless them, do everything you can to support them because he made an incredible impact in Andrew's life. Okay, let's go a couple more through the lacrosse and, and then with that. And then Andrew always finds a way to um, just keep clicking through those, please. There we go. See, you got to get scoring the goal. That's always a good thing. <clears throat> and then they did end up with the trophy that year. Look at that. So, now he also always found a way to interject art in whatever he was doing. So he decided that... Um, he would make a helmet for the winners between Forest Hill Central, Northern, and Eastern, and um, I think there's four shots on that. <clears throat> the other passion that Andrew had was he loved music, loved being in the band at Forest Hills, and I think there's three shots on that quickly. And then we'll come to the third, to the second person I want to do a shout out for, and that's John DeStefano. Um, known to the band students as Mr. D. And so that was Andrew's hangout. Before school, during lunch, after school, always in the band room. And you can see in the next one, oh, that's his, there's Mr. D with Andrew. He would always find a way to use art. And so that's on the wall at Forest Hill Central. And um, he was bringing art to music that way as well. The other thing he did, he loved to play drums. So then what do you do if you're an artist? You paint your drum kit. And he has so much fun when he plays in churches because that's not the normal looking drum set for a church. So the third person is Kyle Warmington. I don't know if anybody know him. He had been a worship leader at uh, Keystone for a long time. And he brought Andrew into his band and they would be in churches and schools and lead worship. Another great influence in Andrew's life. Then the fourth person is uh, Steve Deckinga. And Steve is the owner of SD Enterprises out in Spring Lake. It's a custom race car paint shop. So Steve's in the middle and Andrew, and uh, they had a problem with this one car they were painting because they would use this big decal and it would um, peel up because of the heat. So Andrew told him, he says, well, I could paint that for you. Now he's still in high school, he's 17 years old, so he starts painting this race car, and you can just kind of flip through these. There's a whole bunch of photos that I put in here um, to bless Pastor Tom and all of the other gearheads in the room. This is what Andrew had a chance to do um, during high school. He's painting these unbelievable cars, and just flip through a few more there. I put a whole bunch of them in, it was just kind of fun. Not bad for a 17-year-old. Now, if you notice, those $100 bills that were, had the flames on the hood, those were real $100 bills because the name of the car was Blown Money. <laughs> so he did. So then um, Steve took us down to Indianapolis to see Andrew's work going down the track. And uh, this is another one that he painted. That's out of the racing team out of Qatar, actually. And then the Fram Dragster did the flames and all that on that. U.S. Army, Tony um, Schumacher was the driver, and he won first place that day. Not too shabby. So, almost five years ago, 
Andrew's favorite medium for expressing his artistic and creative things became video. And the video that I showed on December 20th of Sarah's story was the first video Andrew ever filmed and, and produced. And what you're going to see now is the second one. And these were both filmed in June of 2012. And you're going to hear just a little bit of Andrew and Elisa's story called True Love Waits. Do you believe in true love? I didn't. Until April 16th, 2005. That's when I met mine. Now, it wasn't quite as romantic as you might think. It was, you know, the clouds parted and, you know, the angels started singing and everybody was just falling in line. Then they burst into song. It wasn't quite like that. It was just a simple little tap on the shoulder. That's the woman you're going to marry. For me, I didn't care about this little scrawny freshman who was trying to get my attention. I didn't know who you were. And then you were way too loud and obnoxious. You were pursuing, and I was shooting you down at every chance because I was a 14-year-old girl that wanted nothing to do with 14-year-old boys. We both grew up in the church. And I was a pastor's kid. And unlike the stereotypical pastor's kid, I actually thought it was kind of cool. I never really had the rebellious phase. It was always, I heard things in church and I just took them to be true. So it took me quite a while to get to the point where I actually had to start thinking about my faith and the choices that I was going to make and actually make them my own. What do I believe in? What do I think is important? And how is my life going to be shaped because of it? Sex was always one of those things that really wasn't talked about a lot in the church and when it was, it was always, you know, don't have sex until you're married. Don't have sex until you're married, it's a sin. But nobody really ever told me why. It was always, don't do this, don't do that, because it's a sin and because God says no. That kind of misses the point. It kind of misses a lot of kids, I think. Well, I was fortunate enough that my mom decided to start talking to me about choices and decisions, about my actions and thoughts with boys when I was only in third or fourth grade. For me, Having sex before marriage wasn't an option. That wasn't something that I was going to even consider. But there's this big gray area that I had to figure out. And I put up this nice, thick wall. It and was, then, it was very thick. It was, you know, like 12 feet of concrete. And then another one, and then five more. And then a minefield. It did take a lot of work for Andrew to work past my barriers so we could actually start a relationship. But if I didn't have my mom in my life in that way of being open with me about what the church or God or what is said in the Bible, what these certain guidelines are and that I should start practicing them when I was little, I don't know what would have happened. I don't even want to think about where we would be, or wouldn't be, if I hadn't started protecting myself at a young age. And I think that's something that a lot of people need to do, is they need to set up 
boundaries and instead of waiting until you get into those potential situations, make those decisions of this is how far I'm gonna go before you even think about getting into a situation because before you know it, you know, you've done something that you're gonna regret the rest of your life. I think it was really important that, you know, Elise and I actually had a specific conversation. This is what we're gonna do, this is what we're not gonna do, and that's just always how it was. We're very glad that we didn't just jump into things. We took a long time building a really strong friendship, which I think a lot of couples miss that step. They go from, hey, who's that guy over there, to, hey, we're in a relationship now, and they don't really know each other as people before they know each other as lovers. That's where our relationship really started, as friends. So, <clears throat> turns out that if you're not sleeping with the other person or having sex or doing anything like that, there's a lot of free time. He's a dust. To just talk, which is what most of our relationship is based on. We've gotten to the point where we can basically talk about absolutely anything, and we usually do talk about everything. We moved from really simple things that at the time felt almost really super personal to further questions and our conversations just started flowing. They became really emotional and deep. Things that we haven't told other people and when we started reaching that level that's when our relationship really started taking off and we opened up and trusted each other. My mom has told me a couple different times that she believes in me and in us and she stands by what we want to do that we're not going to have sex until we're married. If something were to happen and we changed our minds or we made a mistake that she still supports us and that God meets us wherever we are. And I've thanked her for saying that, but at the same time, I've tried to explain to her that it's not about anybody else. It's not about proving that we're pure or righteous or clean. It's about making sure that we don't do something we regret. We're going to get married. We're in love with each other. But if we were to slip up afterward, I would be so upset with myself for cheating him out of a magical experience that God has given to us. And that's not something that I want to do. I think of it almost like Christmas morning where you, you walk down the stairs and all of your presents are opened. Now, you still get the presents, and so they're still amazing things, and it's still um, really great to have them, but you lose some of the magic. The same thing with your wedding night. If you've already seen each other naked, if you've already been, you know, having sex, some of that is kind of gone. There's three things that you can never take back in a relationship. Once you kiss someone, you can never take that kiss back. You can never take back saying, I love you. And you can never take back the first time you have sex. So to me, it was really important that I held on to all three of those. Fortunately, Andrew felt the same way. It took a really long time for us 
to say I love you and it was really strange at first. I kept questioning myself and asking, am I sure about this? Do I want to do this? Is he the person I'm going to be with forever? Is, is this God's choice for my husband? And I questioned myself to the point of freaking out. But I've only said I love you to one person and I will always hold on to that. That's something I can claim. We both actually believe that God specifically made us for each other. We've only dated each other for our entire you know, romantic life, more or less, it's always been each other. And I know a lot of people don't have that luxury. They spend most of their lives looking for that one person. We were both extremely fortunate to find that person when we were 14. A lot of people might think that we're choosing not to have sex because we're not in love or not attracted to one another, which is about as far from the truth as you can be. <laughs> one of my roommates a couple of years ago was so incredibly shocked. He was like, wait a minute, you, you two are like dating, but you don't have sex? No, 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 we don't. Well, are you like not attracted to her at all? No, I'm very attracted to her. And trust me, I would very much so like to have sex and look forward to the day when we actually can. But it's because I love her and respect her as a person and as a woman that I'm not. I'm choosing not to. This past year, um, Elise decided to get us a ring. It's a true love waits ring. We believe that what we have is true love, and it's not the sort of fairy tale, true love, right off into the sunset sort of thing. It's a commitment. That's what these rings are for us. They're a constant reminder to say that I belong to you, and you belong to me. And they're not wedding rings, but it's the same sort of promise. They remind us that we're loved, not only by each other, but by God. And His design is the right design for us, and that's what we try to model not only our lives, but our relationship after. Naturally, we're not perfect, and we never claim to be, but we, we consider ourselves kind of a minority of, of people, even in the church. I mean, we're a little strange. I'm okay being different. I'm okay being strange. Because I know it's worth it in the end. I'm Elise Laporte. And I'm Andrew Smith. I believe. The true love waits. So a couple more photos just to bring up to speed after that happened. Uh, May of 2013, Andrew graduated from the Seidman College of Business at Grand Valley with a degree in marketing. And uh, then they got engaged, so you see a couple engagement photos. And then on June 7th, 2015 was their wedding day. And uh, what a great privilege it was to be part of that. Now this little thing here, you can't quite read it, it says, true love waited 3,704 days. That's a little over 10 years, and when he showed it to me, he says, but dad, who's counting? <laughs> kind of a cool thing. And then um, they had a couple other neat things that they put into their wedding, where they, um, there they are putting the rings in that little deal, we made that part of the ceremony. 
And then they washed each other's feet as part of the service just to demonstrate their desire to serve each other. Um, and as Christ served his disciples and then taught us to do that for one another, and they are married. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. So the question is, how many dads here today and how many grandfathers are raising sons to be warriors who respect women? That's our calling. It's an honor and it's a privilege and it can be done. Wherever we are and whatever stage, whatever mistakes you made, we start where we are and we go forward. I have another resource I want to share with you today that I wish I had access to when I was raising my kids. And one of the reasons I've been so passionate about this and had the privilege of recruiting a lot of the people that we filmed, I work at the Pregnancy Resource Center and this is such a big issue in our world that we said let's give parents and grandparents a tool that they can use with their kids to have those conversations on an ongoing basis about love, sex, and relationships God's way. So please watch this trailer from The Whole Sex Talk. So I had this conversation with my son last night, and I said, you know, Josh, I don't remember us having conversation about sex. Do you remember if we did? And he said, well, yeah, Dad, I remember and I remember how incredibly awkward that conversation was. My responsibility as a father is to provide for my kids, to prepare them for life and to protect them from harm. That's the best protection you can give your child is that, that, that open door policy where they can talk to you. Conversation is the protection for your children. I think the best way that my parents showed affection to me was just always being open to conversation, regardless of what it was about. If I were a parent, I would definitely say, reach out every now and then. Of course, it'll be overbearing because we do want to be alone sometimes, but we don't want to feel alone. I participated in over five abortions. It'll tell you that you'll walk up down the street sometime and you look up in the air in the sky and you wonder what your kids look like. I couldn't believe that, that someone like me could have a second chance, but with God, you can. You know, I tell parents, never give up on your kids. I wouldn't be here today without the power of praying parents. Parents are essential. It's relationship that changes behavior. Let them know your love is there and it's solid. What I want parents to know, and what their kids need to know, is that you love them in a way that no one else ever has. And you are still, even when it doesn't feel like it, you are still their greatest influence. Sex is a wonderful, beautiful gift that God created. It was his idea. He wants us to enjoy it to the max. But he also knows if we don't do it his way, it can be very dangerous. And so I would urge the men in this room today, if you have kids at home or grandkids, and I know you love them, 
This may sound like a sales pitch, but really it's something to empower you to do what God called you to do. There's a resource available. You can pick it up afterwards. And it's 119 for the unit and six study guides, 59 if you get the streaming, $5 for study guides. And if there's somebody here today who really wants this and would use it, but you can't afford it, I'll buy the copy myself because it's that important. We're having a premiere Thursday night to show 45, there's about three hours of video content. You just saw two minutes of it. If you want to see more or bring some other people, we're having a premiere. Uh, hors d'oeuvres at 6.30, screening at 7 o'clock at the, camp, uh, the Compass College of Cinematic Arts in their theater. 41 Sheldon Boulevard. Um, if you want to come, we'd love to have you there. We just need to know how many are coming so for the hors d'oeuvres. So see me afterward. Give me your business card. Write your name and email address um, on a piece of paper. Give it to me. I'll make sure you get invited to this, and we would love to have you there. My hope and prayer is that every one of us will do everything we can to make the commitment to raise warriors who respect women. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for the truth of your word, for the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit, for the way that you raise up godly men around us who care enough to invest in our kids' lives and make an impact. I thank you that there are men here this morning who reach out to young men, athletes, artists, mechanics, whatever. And some of the people don't even know them. They're just reaching out to young men who need somebody who will love them, encourage them, celebrate their life, celebrate their gifts and just be Jesus to them. Raise up this army of men to raise up an army of kingdom warriors who respect women and show the world your design and your desire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, John. John, thank you for that word this morning. Awesome. Guys, let's stand together as we close. Next week is table discussion, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, John's put together some uh, discussion questions that we can talk about at our tables to really break this down where the rubber meets the road. My prayer for us this morning is that we would experience the love of the Father, that we would experience the grace of that's found in Jesus Christ, and that we would also experience the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Guys, go in Jesus' name. Have a great day. Have a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday.